Hello and welcome to This Is The Greatest Song I've Ever Heard In My Entire Life. I'm Scott Interante and today we are joined by music journalist Kira Grunenberg. Kira, thank you so much for joining us. I'm really glad to be here, Scott. It's always nice to do uh, podcast things with you. Oh, yeah. If people don't know, uh, I used to do a podcast called Pop Unmuted and Kira was a frequent guest the first guest, and I believe you actually came up with the name for that podcast. Yeah, I think it was based off of like a blog post, just an op-ed thing I had written like years ago talking yeah. about the the stereotype of, of pop music. And it was just something we ended up talking and it turned into this whole like, oh, it's a catchy phrase that it was born. So yeah, yeah. So it's great to have you back uh, podcasting with me. I'm excited to talk to you about music and the music that you love. You've always struck me as someone who's very passionate about a lot of different kinds of music. And I wonder as a journalist, either for your blog or when you're writing for other publications, if you find that you have certain styles or genres that you really specialize in or do you try to cover everything uh well i mean when i first just started putting my thoughts out into the web it was a little bit more i guess performing arts classical related just because that's what i had been coming off of from grad school but i was always about all genres i think like my personal music fan tagline is i'll listen to anything one time because (laughs) i feel like everything deserves at least one chance so like you know that cliche when you talk to people at at a party and you say what kind of music do you like? And people will say, oh, I like everything except for, you know, rap and country and opera. I'm always the person that says, when I say I like everything, there's no but that comes after. (laughs) Right, right, right. So, of course, you said that you like to give everything a chance and you write about a lot of different styles. But in your personal life, are you drawn to something in particular? You know, I know that you and I saw Nickel Creek together and you listen to a lot of Americana and folk. Uh, Well, I mean, certainly for like the regular beats that I've covered, I definitely have found that I connect with it a lot more and gravitate to it more. Uh, You're definitely right when I'm, I'm still listening to lots of folk and, you know, listening to a lot more jazz all the time. I probably will never hear all that there is to know about jazz through my lifetime and three lifetimes after that. But I I would say probably what I gravitate to just if I'm not thinking about it in the context of work or, you know, a publication and just like, what do I grab? I've always been a, a big fan of like, you know, alternative rock and alternative pop things that kind of follow a familiar, you know, beloved form and style that have something about it that make you go, Oh, that's, that's different. That's new. Yeah. Do you have any specific experience either listening to music or seeing a concert that really solidified your love for a particular artist or taste in music in general? Oh, um, the last functional iteration of CMJ in 2015 was pretty significant for me. You know, I'd listened to plenty of CMJ bands before and I'd kind of, you know, floated around the fringes of it various years in the the past. But that particular year, I was helping um, an independent band who were playing a showcase that year. And so I had stayed in the city with a friend and was there, you know, up in the morning, going to all the panels and stuff and just was in it. And that whole like five days I ended up going to a ton of shows seeing a ton of sets all different styles and a lot of those bands at least for the time like sort of blew up a little bit I I guess that's kind of a relative phrase blew up but they they all sort of came into their own I I guess if there are any people that are into sports around here I kind of see it as like 
you know, when you're in CMJ, you're kind of like a draft prospect class of musicians. And like over the next couple of years, three to four years, I saw a lot of those bands like getting more radio play, booking bigger and bigger tours. One in particular, I saw a CMJ showcase that had like five people on the bill. And like one of them was, I saw Moses Sumney, like just play like a single set and did this amazing, just very minimal, but very like emotive performance. And like now is huge. <laughs> and so it's, it's kind of nice to see, I've always been a fan of like that organic kind of transformation for artists, especially when you know, like there has been blood, sweat and tears put into those things. Yeah. On that note, do you find that you have a very different relationship seeing music live? Oh, yeah. Because when you're seeing something live, there are these extra intangibles that you can't get listening to a studio recording or listening at home, even if you're, you know, dedicating a concentrated listening time to a record, which I'm a big fan of. There are just some shows that when you see them live have that extra something. I mean, I will never for the rest of my life forget the combo show of Punch Brothers and Nickel Creek at Carnegie Hall. There's just, I don't know if I'll ever get to see that particular iteration of uh, a billing at that space in that way again and it will stick with me because of the applause the room the precious moments of silence right before you hear these crisp notes or these bold chords and just the ringing of vocal harmonies I mean there's I could go on and on especially for something that you know isn't going to get recorded it's not going to you know you're not going to get a special live edition release you just have to be in the moment and like internalize it like in your memory banks as much as possible. And then I guess derive whatever emotions you can when you think about it. Yeah. Wow. We, I was at that concert too. That was, that had to have been the best concert I've ever seen. Though. <laughs> I, I had tears. Like it's so, it's so cliche, but, and I, and I don't really cry at concerts, but like there was that. And then like, I saw Chris Thiele at Rockwood was the only other time mm-hmm. in my recent memory that I can say that there were like tears in my eyes yeah. from like how pristinely beautiful. You know, so you've mentioned a few times Chris Thiele and, and Punch Brothers and Nickel Creek. And like, is there something specific about that kind of Americana folk music that really connects to you? Or does it just happen to be the case that like Chris Thiele and associated artists are just extremely good? <laughs> I think I think it's a little bit of both. Certainly, you know, Nickel Creek and Punch Brothers, I think were kind of an intro for me into that whole, you know, neo bluegrass segment. And and I will never turn down any news of new material from any and all such company. But right. there are definitely yeah. other groups that use similar arrangements that play with an astounding amount of equally impressive skill that when I hear it brings me just as much joy. So I wouldn't say that I'm like on the the, the Nickel Creek train and it's got to be Nickel Creek or bust, but uh, they, I think, introduced the power of like what you can do in terms of writing a song that's in that sort of more modern but instrumentally familiar style for bluegrass. And it's a particular like group arrangement I've definitely come to like appreciate. 
Yeah. So is there something that you listen for in a song, regardless of genre, that makes it stand out for you? I suppose it depends on what jumps out at me. You know, if there is like a lyric, like right up front, there's a lyric line and it's interesting. I'll be like, oh, okay. And then I'll just kind of keep moving through the song or through the album to see what the next thing is. I mean, I suppose I'd have to say like recording quality is a big thing. It sounds super technical and, and a little bit formal for me to say that, but I have to tell you, it breaks my heart when I hear music that I know is like creative and deep and like really sincere from a band, but it is so compressed. I can't hear anything, (laughs) you know, and, and I understand, you know, we all have different financial means and different, you know, resources. And so that's not to say that, you know, you have to have a certain piece of equipment in order to be legitimate. But um, it definitely is a shame if something gets lost because what a song means or what it's about or how a person performs has nothing to do with the equipment you use. But it is important from a listener's perspective that whatever you're trying to say or whatever you're trying to convey can come across like as much to its full potential as it should. Okay, so with all that in mind, Kira, what is the song that makes you scream? This is the greatest song I've ever heard in my entire life. Uh, my pick for that has got to be uh, Tiger Bait by the band Polaris Rose. excited about this because i honestly had never heard of this band i had never heard the song Uh, i've listened to it obviously a few times now since you picked it but please tell me how this came into your life and what about it drew you to um, making this bold declaration about it somebody that i used to go to grad school with a friend of mine his name is greg alice We were just hanging out and talking one day, catching up, and I was telling him that I had my website and I was writing about all different bands. And he said, oh, you know, do you have a certain style you gear towards? I said, no, I'm open to anything that's interesting and has a story behind it. And he goes, oh, well, you got to check out this band, these two uh, great musicians I know called Polaris Rose. He goes, you know, go look them up. And he gave me just an elevator single line pitch of saying sophisticated, high collar alternative rock. And I said, oh okay, I'm definitely interested. You know, I went home and I I pulled them up and it had just so happened that they had, I think, just a couple days prior uh, released this song, Tiger Bait. And I was like, okay, well, that's an interesting title. And so I hit play and immediately was like, oh, okay, so this has got some some guitar tones that I like. I'm like, all right. And then as the song kept going, it was like a steam train that just got faster and faster and more exciting. And I was like, I, I don't mean like tempo-wise, right, right, but right. just in terms of kind of my my engagement with the song was just like, holy cow, you know, this is so good. Yeah. So that appeal, do you find that to be something musical, like you were talking about the arrangement constantly building, or is it something lyrical as well? Uh, well, it's definitely both. So when I first listened to the song, you know, obviously the, the hook, just the tone of the guitars they used, it just gave you that like really 
like you can sink your teeth into it alt rock feel so that's a thing that I like happen to personally really like and then when the lyrics do kick in one of the things I sort of love about not just this song but this band in general is they are extremely clever with their lyricism and their wordplay and use of metaphors and this particular song has a couple of just lines in it I mean the whole song is great but a couple of lines that just made me go oh I wish I had written that the song itself you know is supposed to be about a little bit of a play on how at the time clickbait headlines were running rampant you know this is before all the stuff that's happened in the last two or three years but you know back in 2015 2016 2014 you know you just got a lot of like the kind of tabloidy stuff that would run around and, and everybody would need to talk about it and so this is kind of a play on that and there's a line in the song where she says seduce me with the clickbait magazines right. and i'm just like that's a memorable line see i'm sick and tired of all these words One of the things I really like about where the words go and kind of what the message is, is that it's not your typical breakup or your typical infatuation song. It's not about, uh, you know, like it's sort of touching on at the time what was kind of a current trend in the real world. That was sort of a social phenomenon that was happening, but it's not overly serious and you don't feel like you're being force fed like a public service announcement and you're not right. kind of being dragged into this very heavy handed subject matter while also being paired with familiar and fun instrumentation and then like the melodies and and the writing itself having a little bit of progressive finesse mm -hmm. in it too and so those three things marrying together gives you sort of a song that's about something that's a little bit off the beaten path while being delivered to you in like a perfectly beautiful like instantly appealing way yeah yeah, I, I also like it's got that kind of like 12-8 shuffle feel rhythmically, which yeah. I think it makes it feel lighter rather than, you know, especially like you were talking about the subject matter not being as like heavy handed as it could be lyrically. I think musically it does that same thing by keeping that shuffle beat kind of just makes it feel a little dancier, a little like less heavy and less like four on the floor rock kind of thing, which I think gives it a nice quality. Yeah, but if you do want something that feels a little bit more, you know, grounded and solid and familiar, you have that great electric guitar interlude right before the end is just like, again, sink your teeth into it type of uh, boldness. And I think so you get a, a little bit of seamless sort of mood blending. And yeah, I mean, there's some great use of triplets and other such things. So it's just, it feels approachable as like a pop song, but it's not built just like every other pop song. Yeah, totally. So to get into your mindset a little bit with picking this song, because it is a smaller artist, it's a lesser known song. And generally the people that I've spoken to for episodes that have come out or have not yet come out yet, people are often picking these, you know, very iconic, well-known, universally beloved songs. Because when you hear the phrase, oh, this is the greatest song I've ever heard in my entire life, maybe that's what you think it should be. But for you is actually part of the appeal that this is a smaller artist. You're someone who champions up and coming artists and, you know, you want to give them flowers or is it just because it's a great song? 
I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, I certainly, you know, when you first approached me and invited me on and I, I gave some thought to this, it was definitely difficult because there are songs in that whole universally known sector that I, I have plenty of my favorites. But, you know, I suppose being a writer that gravitates more towards lesser known artists or, you know, regional kind of hometown hero bands, that sort of thing. I definitely have a soft spot for them. And I, I do appreciate that maybe just because you don't hear something on the AAA top 40 radio format or like a widespread film or TV show doesn't mean that it's not a solid song. And when I was trying to decide what to pick, there was kind of this idea of like, what makes the greatest song for me? And there's great songs in terms of things that make you have these reactions every single time. You connect with an artist. And so whenever you think about them or think about music they do, you're always going to go running to it if they if they put something out. There's greatest songs in terms of how a song is, is built, how it's recorded. There's all different ways people can kind of define what makes something great mm -hmm. for them. But so... When I kind of thought about this song, first of all, it's one that I revisit frequently. And every time I revisit it, I am equally as excited as I was the first time. And like I said, it hits all the boxes that every time I think about the melody, the writing, the structure, the wordplay, like all the elements are interesting to me. So for me, it kind of being so encompassing in terms of what was exciting, I, I couldn't see it not being a perfect pick. Wow. I love that. So everyone check out Polaris Rose, all of their music, wherever you listen to music. And Kira, thank you so much for joining us and talking about this song and everything else. It was great to catch up with you. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. So you write for your own blog, Throw the Dice and Play Nice, as well as other outlets like NPR and Downbeat. Where can people find you online? Uh, well, you can find me, my favorite social media platform of choice has got to be Twitter. So you can find me at shadow melody the number one you can uh you know shoot me an email at throw the dice and play nice at gmail.com with song tips say hello you know anything of the sort and uh oh i'm also on instagram at shadow.melody1 nice well thanks again for joining us and i look forward to talking to you again sometime soon thanks so much scott Thanks for listening to another episode of This is the Greatest Song I've Ever Heard in My Entire Life. You can follow the show at Great Song Pod. That's GR number eight song pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Interante Scott. That's I N T E R R A N T E. And if you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe and give us a rating and review. Thanks so much, and we'll talk to you next time.